Our reading today comes from the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter 3 of the Gospel of Mark. One Sabbath, he was going through the grain fields, and as they made their way, his disciples began to pluck heads of grain. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? And he said to them, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need of food? He entered the house of God when Abathar was high priest and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for any but the priests to eat, and he gave it to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for humankind, not humankind for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. Again he entered the synagogue, and a man was there who had a withered hand. They watched him to see whether he would cure him on the Sabbath so they might accuse him. And he said to the man who had the withered hand, Come forward. Then he said to them, Is it lawful to do good or to do harm on the Sabbath, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. He looked around at them with anger. He was grieved at their hard-heartedness, hardness of heart, and said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. The Pharisees went out and immediately conspired with the Herodians against him, how to destroy him. The word of God. Thanks be to God. When I first started in ministry in 1989, I soon met Dave Jones, who had been in ministry a little bit longer than I had been, and he taught me a lot about youth ministry. And he's actually going to be, he was an ordained United Methodist pastor, he's going to be an ordained, an, an Episcopal priest at St. Paul's next Saturday. One of the things he taught me early on, which was a great relief to me, was he said, handwriting and spelling don't count in the kingdom of God. I like that. My handwriting is not that good. My spelling is not that good. Thank God for spell check, although I've discovered that autocorrect and my thumbs really come out with some funny things. Does that happen to you? You send something and you realize, I didn't mean to type that. Did you see the spelling bee, the national spelling bee this week? I see some of you nodding. So these kids have been practicing for years, studying for years. I'm going to show a brief clip, but this is the very last minute and a half of the spelling bee, which took, on that day, hours and hours and hours, and probably before that, days and days and days of spelling um, words correctly. Let's take a look. Karthik Nemani, if you spell this next word correctly, we will declare you the 2018 Scripps National Spelling Bee Champion. Koinonia. Koinonia, may I have the definition? Intimate spiritual communion and participative sharing in a common religious commitment and spiritual community. May I have the language of origin? Greek. Are there any alternate pronunciations? There's koinonia and kinonia. May I have the part of speech? 
noun. Can you please repeat the word? Koinonia, kinonia. Koinonia, K-O-I-N-O-N-I-A, koinonia. That is correct. First time in the history of Christianity that that word received such applause <laughs> with confetti cannon and a trophy presentation. I think the early church would probably appreciate that, that koinonia got such applause. That day, uh, some of my friends in seminary, I could see them all popping up on Facebook. We learned that word in seminary. Who knew that it would become such a... Now that's the most looked up word in the U.S. People are all looking up koinonia. Koinonia is this wonderful Greek word that has so many different meanings. There's no one translation, but it means community. It means investing in community. It means spiritual bonding. It means creating a Christian community of love that holds one another and welcomes other. It, it's such a wonderful word. The first time koinonia was used in the New Testament was by the gospel writer of Luke, who also wrote the book of Acts, which is a history of the early church. In Acts 2, the 42nd verse, it says, that the early church community would gather, and it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to koinonia, the building of Christian community, to the breaking of bread and to prayers. That's what our ancestors in the faith did. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. They practiced koinonia, building Christian community, investing in Christian community. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayers. That may be a very good uh, definition of what it means to be the church. In many ways, that's what we continue to do. And it's what we continue to do very often on Sunday mornings in worship in Christian education and spiritual formation, what we are doing is we are in some ways devoting ourselves to the apostles' teachings, to the teachings of the Christian faith. We are also devoting ourselves to building community, which sometimes is hard work. It means we have to forgive each other when we step on each other's toes. We have to keep working at building relationships. We have to keep listening to one another. We have to be intentional about building our relationships, caring for our relationships. We break bread together 
not only this bread, but the bread down in Radha Hall. Eating together is holy activity for Christians. And we pray together, not only in this holy space, but in all of the holy spaces up and down this hallway and downstairs. There are some in our congregation who, when they are on their way to Sabbath worship, they are praying in the car. They have told me it's an eyes-open prayer, which I'm thankful for. They pray on the way into the church. They pray up the stairs. They pray in the pews before we even hear music. Building koinonia can even be done over baked potatoes, which we'll do tonight at the open mic night. I hope you will come. It is a wonderful opportunity to enjoy Christian fellowship, to enjoy one another's gifts and talents. And my, we have a talented congregation and some talented youth who will be performing in Rada and some talented chefs who prepare food for us. But that's practicing koinonia. Koinonia can also be practiced over marshmallows. I wish somebody had told me that when I was a child. We're going to have a, you know, we're calling it so many different names. This coming Saturday at 7.15 until 8.15, um, Campfire and Fellowship, um, S'mores and More. What, what, where's Karen? She named it something in the bulletin. I liked it. Well, you can check it out. Maybe, maybe we can call it Koinonia and Marshmallows. That would, theologians would love that. One of the ways that we practice koinonia intentionally is by keeping the Sabbath holy and by practicing and devoting ourselves to the apostles' teaching, which said, on the Lord's day, rest. On the Lord's day, stop competing. Isn't it interesting how much competition goes on in our world on Sunday morning now and Sunday afternoon? I grew up playing soccer on Sunday afternoons, loved it. But now looking back on that as adult, I realized, oh, that was continuing the competition that we've been doing all week, but now it was competing in a sport. I still love the beautiful game of soccer, but I'm aware of how much Competition happens on Sunday morning and Sunday afternoon. And the Sabbath was meant to be a space where we didn't have to compete anymore for just a day. It's an opportunity for us to worship together and to zoom out and see the big picture and to recognize that we're all beloved sons and daughters of God. And we're all a small but significant part of God's big picture of love for all people and all of creation. The hope is that if we practice Sabbath with intentionality, we might become more grounded people, more loving people, more focused people, more engaged followers of Jesus. That's the hope of the Sabbath day. And it takes great intentionality for us to just show up because we could have all been in 10 or 100 different places this morning. 
But there's something in us that knows we need to keep investing in our primary relationship with God, which affects every other relationship that we're in. So Jesus, in today's passage that Tom read, you know, it seems like Jesus is waiting to heal someone until the Sabbath. If you notice, so many of his healings take place on the Sabbath day. I wonder if he was just waiting around with the disciples, saying, you know, we're going to heal that guy with the withered hand, but we're going to wait until the Sabbath, because it's a teachable moment. We know that we're going to tick off the the conservative religious police when we do this because they say that the Sabbath no work should be done and healing is work and so Jesus says to the man with the withered hand stretch out your hand and he's healed and it says in the scriptures that certain religious people made plans immediately to destroy Jesus because he had broken the law. He had broken the rules. Jesus chose love over law. Jesus chose compassion over the law. And I think in doing so showed us something very significant. The Sabbath is meant for restoration. The Sabbath is meant for healing, not only of a withered hand, but of our withered spirits, our withered souls, our withered relationships. This is the day that the Lord has made so that we might be restored to fullness of life, restored to the ability to love and be loved, restored to our true selves. I close with this. It is a hope that I have for someday. Someday, I hope that when people across the street in the CVS parking lot see us leaving through the main street doors, they will look at us and say, oh, thank God those Christians have just worshipped because We need them to be healers in the world. Thank God they've gone to worship so that they can be grounded, non-anxious, filled with love because we need them to be faithful in the world. I hope that someday people who are showing up for the field hockey games or the soccer games in the back parking lot as we're leaving out the back door I hope they look at us and say, oh, thank God. Thank God for those Christians who have practiced the Sabbath so that they can continue to be loving leaven in the loaf of our society. Thank God they've gone to worship so that they can, when they show up to work on Monday morning, they can be the people who don't lose their minds with anxiety. Thank God those those Christians have gone to worship because we need them in the world to be vessels of love. I don't know how they do it. I don't know why they do it, but we need them. How many of you think that's what people are thinking right now when we leave the church? Look around, people. Nobody's raising their hand. 
that may be helpful for us as followers of Jesus. That God may be calling us to be more than just people who go to church on Sunday, but that God may be calling us for such a time as this to be transformed by our Sabbath rituals so that we can go out into the world and people will recognize us by the fruits that are born out in the way we live. I pray that that is the case with me and with you. I even have that hope for all of Christianity. May God bless us in our Sabbath practices that we might be transformed for God's loving purposes. And the people of God said, Amen. <laughs>